Welcome to the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast. I'm Kristen, and this is where I like to talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, sometimes knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and a little bit about keeping a cozy, organized home. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 68. Hello, friends. Oh my goodness, it is good to be back. It's been a few weeks since my last podcast, and I sort of unintentionally took a bit of a podcast break only because uh, life is full right now. And it was just a little bit hard to, to carve out the time that it takes to record and get this posted. So I hope you'll forgive me for that. Before we get too far, I want to talk about my cup of tea because I'm super excited about it. I am drinking Mindful Morning Black Tea from Plum Deluxe. And, um, My daughter, Chloe, is also a very big tea drinker, and she had a birthday at the end of March, and as I was, you know, trying to figure out what to get her, which is not hard, we like a lot of the same things, I decided to get her a Plum Deluxe tea subscription. So every month she will get a new thing of tea, which comes in a, just a nice little uh, plastic Ziploc bag. I can't tell there's a measurement on it but um so in addition to the the one monthly tea I pumped up her first box with um with three extra teas and they are so good they are so good so what I'm drinking right now is the mindful morning black tea it says a fresh take on earl gray pairs well with quiet moments and good conversation I love these descriptions so it's organic it's got black tea, orange peels, blue coneflowers, bergamot oil, vanilla essence, love and gratitude. (laughs) So anyways, I'm loving it. Um, So I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I am an affiliate for them, I think. (laughs) But I I do, I really love them. And they just do a really um, nice job of blending teas without them being too flavory. And I'm looking at this tea, it's in a clear bag, and you can see um, was it blue cornflower? You see these little purple leaves in there. It's just it's a it's an absolutely beautiful looking tea. So anyway, so that's that's my tea. Loving that. Um, oh, the other thing I want to say is I just want to take a moment to say thank you to all of you. I just uh, was informed by Podbean, where I host the podcast, that I hit a hundred thousand downloads. And uh, I know there are da- there are podcasts out there that get a hundred thousand <laughs> downloads per episode, but you know what? I am grateful for every single one of those. So thank you. That was kind of felt like a kind of a big milestone. So, um, what has been going on around here? So many things. Um, as I was setting up to record here, I was reminded that at my last podcast I mentioned um, I looked over to the little cat tree beside the desk here and said that I had this cat tiger and he was sleeping right there and and he wasn't doing well and in fact um, we had to put him to sleep the very next day and oh my goodness we had him for almost 16 years and it was very very hard Um, my daughter Chloe was there we got to hold him while it all happened and everything and everybody got to say goodbye but oh that is the thing about getting pets is the the time that you have to say goodbye you know so anyways um so that was kind of a a big deal over here and then the day after that is when i went in for the big hair chop which i also talked about in my last podcast but if you're new here um during covid i decided to let my hair go gray as opposed to the the um, golden blonde 
which was fairly close to my natural color, which was actually my natural color <laughs> the last time I checked, <laughs> was, you know, um, a dark blonde. So the golden blonde was a little lighter than, than it was in real life, but not anymore. So I went in, I fully asked my hairdresser to to cut off everything that was blonde because I just you know because it's it's gray slash white versus the blonde there wasn't the same kind of demarcation line as if you're say a brunette but still I I, I wasn't liking it and I was using that um what's it called it's called conditioner um silver like it was a color depositing conditioner to tone down the blonde um but I was just ready to be done with that and she said nope not going to do that because you will be so unhappy with your hair that short. So she cut it to me quite short, actually. Um, I just really wasn't, you know, being realistic about where my grow out was. So, um, so she, she, she cut it so that I still have maybe two inches of the, of the, the old colored blonde. And then she took, so the front of my hair is completely white. And so she took just bleach um, so I guess at this point I should pause and say, I want to embrace the gray, but that doesn't mean that I'm like, oh, I will never color my hair. I'm perfectly willing to highlight, for instance, the gray to make it less drab and mousy, which it kind of is in the back and the front. It's like just straight up white, which I kind of love. Um, so she just took bleach, just white, and she just did what she called a baby weave throughout my hair, um, which is a weave that takes like maybe half the amount of hair. So just very small amounts. Um, and that just really brightened up the, the gray in the background. And I think from, it was a full weave, but so I, I think from now on, I can just kind of do the top layer um, at some point. Like it's been a month since I've had it cut and I'm looking and you see no evidence of any sort of uh, grow out at all. So if I could just do it, you know, twice a year or something to brighten, brighten it up a little bit, I would be perfectly fine with that. Um, and then for the ends where, um, it was still blonde, she just kind of painted in a way the bleach over that, you can tell I'm not a hairdresser, which just really lightened them and toned down that yellow. But, um, and I really love it. I put a before and after in the, um, in the Facebook group and she blew it out really straight in. And when I went in, it was like, kind of like a three day curly. So it wasn't, my hair was not in the best shape and I'm wearing a mask in the, in the before, but, um, so it's not a fair, uh, comparison, but she blew it out really straight and it looked, you know, it looked really good. It was really a lot flatter than I'm used to. And I, as a matter of fact, when I came home, my husband was more, um, I don't know what's the word more surprised about how it was styled than how it was cut and you know how how white it was which I thought was really funny I'm like it's not it's just it's just blow it's just, just blow dry that's not what we're talking about here um but I've really I'm loving it I'm loving it the funny thing is is because I don't know maybe because the front is white and I've always been blonde or that the, because the ends have a tiny bit of of uh, kind of a blonde on them people just keep saying to me wow, your hair looks really blonde. Like I went to the dentist and I know the woman who was the receptionist at the dentist for, you know, 10 years. And she goes, oh, you look really good as a blonde. <laughs> and I was like thinking, what color did you think I was all these other years? And so I said to her, I've known her for a long time. So I'm just like, well, that's very kind of you to call it blonde, but it's really white. <laughs> and she said, oh no, I think it just looks blonde. <laughs> 
So anyway, so it's been a very seamless transition. It's still a little shorter than I'm used to, but um, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it both as a um, curly, letting it go curly for the first couple days. And then when that curl starts to not look so good, I just pretend it's a body wave and hit it with a curling iron and I can milk a few more days out of it like that. So I'm kind of enjoying it both in a, you know, kind of straight and styled way and a messy curly way. So that's been fun. And the other part of life that's just, you know, been a little encompassing these days is I've got a college senior. My third kid is a college senior and he's the baby of the family, the six foot four baby of the family. And, you know, all the college decisions came down. And so we did um, over a week, we did three visit three days of visits to college campuses we did one two three four five six campuses and um, we did them all completely wearing masks you know outdoors completely distant so completely safe um, but it turns out later you know I think most of these places didn't really want you on campus but <laughs> I'm glad I don't think you can really make a great decision unless you get on campus um, so that was actually really fun we actually um drove all the way up to UC Santa Cruz, which I'd never seen. And it is absolutely one of the coolest college campuses I have ever been on. It is in the Redwoods, but also has ocean views. And like, it's a beach town. And each of the like set little um, groups of buildings are just like nestled into the mountains. And there's, there's like uh, pedestrian bridges that take you over canyons where you can see Redwoods. I mean, it was just so, so cool. Ultimately, um, he chose UC San Diego. So um, for those of you keeping score, that is three for three kids going to UC San Diego. It makes a ton of sense for him. His major is bioinformatics. And apparently that is um, where bioinformatics was born as a, as a, um, I don't know what, as a major and maybe as a field. I'm not really sure. Um, So yeah, so that was kind of, you know, an excruciating month of, you know, it, this year, uh, you know, because of COVID and all that and, and colleges not looking at SATs and ACTs and all that kind of stuff. It was just, it was a weird year for college admissions. And so I'm just ultimately glad that he got into the school he wanted and um, and that those decisions are over. I've also been pushing off and pushing off because of COVID and other reasons, um, uh, senior photos. Um, we do the the senior photo with the tux, you know, like in the, in the summer, right before your senior year. But I never really liked those photos. I want photos that look like my kids. And um, so we have this photographer who used to um, be at the studio that we liked, but now just does it as a side gig. And all three kids have just, we made appointments with her for these kind of fun photo shoots, shoots around this town called Santa Paula around here, which is like just kind of an old Western town and just honestly has a bunch of funky broken down buildings and railroad stations <laughs> and so we finally uh, did that photo shoot um, I still need to you know we still need to decide on those pictures um, they're have, actually having a prom here in California outdoors wear mask distanced all of that um, you know so that necessitate necessitated going to get a new suit and I mean just crazy crazy stuff also vaccines I am completely fully vaccinated and I am so thrilled as soon as we got back from our our trip up north for colleges we had appointments um, right when it opened up for um, 50 plus in California and my husband and I both got the Johnson and Johnson um, about a week before they discovered the issue or whatever but totally fine um, 
I'm not sure I would have chosen the one and done, but now I'm actually super glad that that's what we have. I wish my kids could have gotten that one too, um, but they pulled it, you know, and now it's back, I guess. But um, all three kids got vaccinated within a day or two of it opening up for uh, kids 16 plus. So they've all had their first. Um, I got to tell you, I feel like a free one, like a free woman, knowing that I'm vaccinated. Not that, so I had this conversation with my friend who also got the vaccine about the same time as me. And um, she's like, I don't really feel like things are different. And I think it really makes a difference about how you were behaving before you got the vaccine. So <laughs> we were very conservative. We were very locked down. Um, I did do some outdoor distancing with friends, but always felt, I was always sort of mentally measuring the distance between us and, you know, just, you know, it was just sort of, it was there. And now um, I know that especially a lot of my friends are already vaccinated and and actually we're still meeting outside a lot, most of the time. Um, But it just has, it's just different, you know, like I just feel so much more comfortable. Um, And, you know, my my son just was able to have, um, he's only got one vaccine, so they did a distance visit last night, but he hasn't really seen his friends in person for a long time. They were all vaccinated, so um, they just actually stayed outside because he wasn't um, fully vaccinated. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel so much more hopeful and like the tide is turning. Um, you know, we keep getting uh, information that school will be pretty normal in the fall and just could not be more grateful for that. So psychologically, it it doesn't really make sense, but that's the way these things work sometimes. Over the last few weeks, I've also sort of been hit with a kind of an, a feeling of overwhelm and anxiety and, um, I don't know, even a slight depression and have not really been able to figure out why or what's going on. So it's funny. It's on one hand, it feels hopeful. On the other side, it feels crazy. And I just, I think it's just a lot of... Um, baggage from this last 14 months and and dealing with the the lockdown and the disappointments and then a, honestly a bit of guilt for even think feeling that way because we were lucky we didn't lose our jobs we didn't lose anybody close to us from from covid you know so it's sort of just kind of balancing all of that together i feel that's starting to lift for me now but um yeah it's been kind of a wild ride i've been trying to do some journaling try to work you know, kind of through that. And I would like to mention, I don't know if I mentioned it on another podcast, but I got this journal in January called the Next Right Thing Journal. I think I talked about it then. Um, so it's a journal from Emily P. Freeman, who has a podcast, and I guess a book called The Next Right Thing. Um, and in this journal, um, she's got a lot of prompts, which is kind of good for me journaling wise. So you can get into it every week and just um, have, there's a section called, these are the days where you can just kind of jot down um, just the things that are happening. And then, but a lot of the journaling is really kind of a once a month thing at the, at the end of the month, um, kind of, she asks a lot of good questions about what's working, what's not working. What are you grateful for? What are you um, thinking Um, that what arrows are pointing to things that you should be doing in the future. Um, And I really kind of like those, um, those boundaries. I mean, I also do a lot of morning pages, just, you know, brain dump kind of journaling, which I think helps from an anxiety standpoint. But um, there's some really thoughtful prompts in the next right thing journal. I'll put a link in the show notes for that, but I've been enjoying that. So, um, and here's the other thing that has lifted my spirits yesterday. 
we washed all the windows in the house inside and out <laughs> for about the last, I don't know, five plus years. Um, I've turned it into this thing where the whole family has to wash windows. It takes us only about an hour and a half to do the whole house inside and out. The guys do the outside, Chloe and I do the inside, and um, it changes things, you know, and it, it, there's something about those super clean windows, and I always do it in the spring. I can kind of time it in California where I think it's not going to rain anymore because, you know, rain makes your windows dirty. So, um, I and frankly, I only do this about once a year. I would like to say I did this more than once a year, but honestly, I don't because I always think, oh, it's going to rain. It's not worth it. And it's funny because my kids think I do this like every couple months. I'm like, seriously, the last time we did this was a year ago. But there is something about the light that comes through clean windows, especially here in spring, that just makes me so, so happy. Before we move on to quilting, let's take a moment to thank our sponsor, The Fat Quarter Shop, for sponsoring the podcast. The Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop show for quilting fabrics and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, notions, and even cross-stitch supplies. As the Fat Quarter Shop Designer Mystery Block of the Month Club approaches its 14th year, they're taking a look back at all the designer mystery quilts over the years and inviting you to join them for a Designer Mystery Quilt Festival. If you've ever made a designer mystery quilt from 2008 until now, they want to see it. From April 29th through April 6th, they're inviting people to join them in sharing a photo of your quilt or quilts to celebrate. Share your quilts on Instagram with the hashtag FQSQuiltFest and hashtag DesignerMysteryBOM. I'll put a link in the show notes to see the quilts as well as those hashtags. All right, let's talk some quilting. In my world, the hand-pieced quilt along that we've been working on is almost over. We are on our last set of uh, big units, and then the next step will just be to sew them all together. So this has been super fun, and I enjoy the community that is built around the hand-pieced quilt along so much. So... Um, that's going to be a little sad that it's over, but also, you know what, I'm ready to move on to other projects because uh, I have a hard time while that's going on uh, working on other projects. I've also gotten out of the habit of um, of sewing, of, of pulling the sewing machine out and, and really getting a, hand, a, a machine pieced um, project going, and I really miss that. I think I, I mentioned on the last uh, podcast that... Um, We've got three kids here at home, Two, one, one's out of college, one is in college, uh, Chloe and Jonah, and they are going to be moving to San Diego, sharing an apartment in June. And so that is going to actually really open up some real space and um, allow me to have a sewing space again. So there's part of me that's just like, just wait till that happens, um, because everything... All of my sewing stuff is really tucked away at this point in places that it is not impossible to get to, but it's inconvenient and it is just that mental hurdle that I'm having a hard time getting over. But whenever I reach out and I talk to people, um, you know, in the Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group, I'm so inspired by what everyone's working on and I'm just like, oh, I just got to get back to that. Um, I was really in a, in a good thing of every night when we'd come home from our walk, I would really sit down and sew. And now I mostly hand sew, um, but I, I just, I'm, I'm anxious to get back behind the, the machine. So I do have um, the, the full throw size quilt that I, I hand pieced for the hand pieced quilt along this year. It's called Harmony. It's still sitting there completely done. 
And um, I know it's too big that I'm, I'm probably not going to hand quilt it. I still have just a wall size hanging one from um, last year's hand piece quilt along that I'm still hand quilting. So I just know myself. And um, Patty, who's my co-host um, for this quilt along, she machine quilted hers in a large, in just in a spiral throughout the whole pattern. And it looks fabulous. I don't have a great space to set up quilting right now. So I've been resisting doing that. Um, so I've been thinking about sending it to a long armor because I do have a great long armor, Deanna Sanzano. She's hand, she's long armed many quilts that have just got them off of my whip list, like just finish them off. And I used to think that I would never use a long armor, but you know what? You know, done is better than how you imagined that you were going to do every step, right? And, and I really kind of enjoy those perfect <laughs> long arming designs. So... I, I decided as I was straightening up my uh, space this weekend and I, this quilt has been just sitting out like it was getting dusty. <laughs> it was been sitting out for so long. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pull off the machine and I'm going to sew together a back. Um, I'm kind of over every stitch of my hand piece quilts along quilts being hand quilted or, you know, done by hand. I did that with the first two, but this one, I'm just, I'm just going to get over myself because I really like it and I want to use this quilt. Um, which I don't think I've ever published a picture of the finished one. I've taken, I've done it, taken on several photo shoots and I've never been happy. So I think I've never really posted a picture, but I will put one in the show notes. I love it. Um, but so I think I'm going to send that to the long armor. I made that decision, but I'm actually for the, so I did a, a throw size quilt for the quilt along. Um, but for the quilt that I sewed during the quilt along, cause I like to sew along with everybody. And it actually really helps me, even though I take notes as I'm sewing it the first time about the tips and tricks I want to talk to. Um, I'm very guilty of thinking, oh, I will totally remember to say this little thing when I get to the blog post. Um, I don't need to make notes about it. And then of course that is not true. <laughs> I do, I forget. Um, so it's nice to be sewing along. So I go, oh yeah, there's this little thing that I like to do here. Anyways, um, I've decided that what I will do is I'll do the spiral pattern um, on my sewing machine on my um, wall hanging size quilt. Um, and and I might, I don't know if I'll do that. I, I think I could probably knock that out in one sitting. And so it would be worth just maybe setting up on the kitchen table to, to, uh, to do that. And that will kind of scratch that itch of my... Um, of wanting to uh, do the spiral pattern because it complements the the design so well. Um, my other issue with doing the spiral quilting is that my walking foot, I, I'd like is is pretty small in terms of like if you're just going to use the edge of your walking foot as your guide as you're spiraling around. I think it might even be a quarter inch, and what I'd really like it to be is a half inch. So I need to. Um, this is on my Juki, so I need to kind of figure out how to space that. So, so those are the things I've been wrestling with quilting wise. Um, I've also been binding a quilt because I didn't, as I was sewing, doing my hand sewing, I didn't want to get too far ahead of the group. So, um, so I love to bind a quilt. So that's been nice. And I think every podcast for like the, the last uh, six months, I've been talking about what am I going to make when I start making actual quilts again? And I've, I've thrown up several ideas, but then my new one is um, a while back, I reviewed a class by Cindy Grisdella on improv quilting. So she has a class on the C&T um, site, and um, she also has a book. If you buy the class, you get a copy of the ebook. And um, 
I, ta- I went through that whole class, but I didn't actually, um, and I and I loved, you know, she's got a, her method, her process is fabulous, but I didn't actually sew along while I did it. And I really want to do that just as an exercise and improv piecing. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I think that just might be a good way to, I don't know, just get back into, into machine sewing. Also, in the um, Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group, we've had a bit of a, a, a lively discussion about luxury irons and whether or not they are worth the price. And this started with um, Aliso, who uh, I have, how many? I have three Aliso irons. I love them. I have a big one. I have two of the minis, which are so handy, got to tell you, um, for the little mini irony station. One of these days, I need to do this, is is get a, a one of those TV tray is that, you know, I want to say TV tray, something that you might um, eat a meal on in front of the television, you know. Um, we used to have them. And people tend to buy those, like you can maybe get one at a thrift store and turn it into a little um, ironing space and have a little portable ironing station. And I want to make one of those someday because that would be so nice in, in many areas. What I actually have is a just a wool pressing mat next to my machine with a little um, Olisa, one I'm machine sewing, um, to just to do not like a whole quilt but just units is so handy but anyways um i absolutely love the aliso irons they have you know what they have (laughs) here's a couple of things i did a review years ago um really long cords which is so nice and they tell you to just put in tap water so you can do them dry if you want and i was a dry iron person for a long time but then i decided i would embrace the steam i'm the jury's out on that but um, my last iron before this, which was also a very nice iron, you need distilled water. And, you know, that's a pain. So this one, they just say tap water. So um, so I've been loving those. So they just uh, launched the TG1600 Pro Plus. So they took the iron that I have and they added several like really nice, you know, little, little upgrade features. One also thing about the... Um, the big iron is that it has a 30-minute shutoff, which I love. You can change that if you want. And if you don't like how it pops up, you know, the Aliso irons are the ones you can leave horizontal, which I really like because um, I knock irons off <laughs> of, the, of the ironing board, and I think it's just a little bit more stable. But that's something you can turn off, too, if you don't like that. But anyways, they came out with new colors. They keep coming out with these super fun colors. So there's like a, a yellow and a pink, which they've had for a while, but no, they have a blue and a purple um i think they call it orchid so it's like super pretty colors which is fun and um and some really nice features and they're all i'll put a link in the show notes there is i think it's until i can't remember but the, it's there's a there's a pre-sale a pre-order break on the pricing if you if you want to um get one but so i um was talking about this in the facebook group like what do you think and it's interesting there's there's definitely two sides to that that argument a lot of people who have them love them some people thought that they didn't get hot enough and i'm going to say that's probably an older um version of these because i think these get plenty hot i have literally burned my fingers a few times on them um but then there's the whole uh bonnie hunter you know, contingency, she she kind of does, buys a cheap iron and, and never puts water in it. And I did that for a while too. I had a $15 Black & Decker, um, but the way it was designed, um, the edges of it would get caught on things. And then just when I got a nice iron, 
you know, am I going to say that is is it worth ten times the price for all the, the the niceness of it? I, I don't know, but there is definitely you know like from a gift standpoint, like I would totally you know like ask for one of these as a gift um, because those little upgrades at a certain point in your life when you're really when the tools that you use are important to you because your hobby is important to you. So anyways, um, that was kind of a fun discussion of um, whether or not luxury irons are worth it. I also want to talk uh, about a couple um, books from CNT Publishing that they sent me um, and that I think that you guys would enjoy. One is called Design Make Quilt Modern by Heather Black. And Heather Black is a fabulous modern quilter. And um, I think this book is amazing. So I told you about the Cindy Grisdella book, which is really, it's modern quilting, but it's improv. And I'm not sure I am an improv quilter. I, I need to do it more <laughs> to really make that determination. But I think that I love modern quilts, but I think I kind of like ones that have a little bit more, a little less improv in reality. I think that's more my taste. So this is a book that's really more less about improv and more just about how to achieve the modern aesthetic. So I kind of wanted to go through a few things with this because I love the way that she has sort of tackled um, thinking about designing your own quilts. And okay, so the first part is really um, finding inspiration and being a hunter and gatherer for quilting inspiration, how to store those ideas so that you can use them later. And I love this section. It's called Design What You Know and Love. And it's, you know, and this is kind of for me, it's like, do I really love improv? I'm not really sure. But you know, she has a list of sewing skills, straight piecing, curved piecing, paper piecing, things like that. Like stay, um, it, stay with what you love and stop trying to force yourself just because you see other people doing various things. You don't have to do it that way. Um, also, like just stay with your what your your skills are. Um, like she has a little example here, and she has worksheets for like what do I like, what don't I like, and um, and and this list for her favorite. She loves half square triangles, half rectangle triangles, curves, circles, solids. But what she doesn't like is improv, paper piecing, you know, things like that. Which I'm like. Uh, polka dots, micro piecing. These are things that she just wants to stay away of. And it's, I think it's just good to acknowledge it to yourself. Um, so she goes on to um, kind of explain design basics, um, where you get your inspiration from, from picking a theme for the quilt. I think that some people kind of make the mistake, especially with improv, that it's like anything goes. Um, but just like, you know, a, a jazz solo, there is an underlying structure there that's invisible to people who don't know what to look for but very obvious if you do know what to look for so she talks about creating balance she teaches you about the rule of thirds about using odds versus evens the s curve in a design using a grid or not using a grid um, and then a whole section on color theory and playing around with color until you come up with your own personal color palette that pleases you um, and then I think this is kind of an interesting addition to a book. She has a whole section on on quilting and using the quilting, especially in the negative spaces, to accentuate the design. So there's, you know, how many patterns have you um, read that which quilt is desired, you know? And I am one, I think it's uh, pretty known at this point, um, the quilting part is not always my favorite. I'm still trying to make myself do that. And I, I will, and, and I can, I can free motion, I can, 
I've once I get warmed up I'm not horrible at it but I'm kind of I feel like I'm a piecer you know and I want to stay with the part of the process that gives me the most joy but that said she gives you great ideas for how to use quilting to in, in very um, accessible ways some straight line quilting but not just straight line you know from top to bottom like as part of the piecing and part of the negative spaces using some pebbling so um, just really mixing up the quilting within the quilt to accentuate the design so anyways um, I think this is going to be an invaluable resource and I am totally um, loving that the other one is called One Block Wonder Panel Quilts. And this reminded me of a couple years ago, I bought a pattern from Orange Dot Quilts called um, Only One. And I guess you can use, um, as I was looking up like what, what that pattern was called today, um, she advertises as you can use like a very large, like a large scale print, um, that, which are often hard to use as quilters except for maybe as a quilt back because it looks so different when you um, cut things up but also panel quilts so I have a, a Christmas panel that I absolutely love but I do not know what to do with and I have been kicking it down the road for like seven years now and so last year I bought this because I'm going to do this with this quilt and what she likes to do is save one panel to put it on the back so you can in a way prove to people what this used to look like so with one block wonder quilts you know they off they stack them and cut them in a certain way and sew them into these kind of hexagon shapes and that's what this is this is taking panel quilts but they're taking this book which is by Maxine Rosenthal and Nancy Miller is they actually incorporate the panel into the front and then cut up the rest of the panel to um, complement it around uh, that center design because um, obviously all the colors are going to go together and so they give you complete instructions for that as well as a million examples for ways to incorporate the panel and that the hexagon blocks into it so I thought that one was really fun as well and the last thing I want to mention before we leave the quilting segment here is um, my friend Minky Kim. We wrote a book together, so illustrated, oh gosh, years ago at this point. You know, she's gone on to write many books. She's got a fabulous YouTube channel where she posts like two tutorials a week. and she, It's amazing. But she did a collaboration with Michael's, the craft store, and they have her um, photograph on these big big displays in Michaels and I still need to get over to our Michaels to see one I know that they have one there because her daughter did a little selfie with it in the background so if you happen to be in a Michaels definitely check that out let's move on to books it's been a while since I recorded so um, I have a few to talk about last podcast I talked about a book called uh, the empty nesters by Carolyn Brown which I enjoyed not you know hugely great literature but just a fun easy read and she has a bunch of books on um, what's it called prime reading that are free on um, from Amazon and as a, as a Kindle book and so I tried another one called The Shop on Main, and um, I like The Empty Nesters more. This one was about a, um, it was in Texas, maybe all her books are in Texas, I don't really know, but it's uh, about these three cousins that own a lingerie shop, and um, it's about them and their mothers, and how one of them, um, husband's cheating, and um, 
So as sort of revenge, they are all going to get together and, and beat her husband and his group of friends at this chili cook-off. And it's just like all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, didn't love it. Didn't hate it. I definitely finished it. But um, so definitely kind of a light romancy kind of um, book. So not really a, a huge recommendation. But, you know, I just... It was kind of fun. The book I'm reading right now is called The Sewing Machine by Natalie Fergie. And this book went around the um, the quilt groups recently. And I bought, I think that when someone recommended it, uh, I could you could buy it for like $2.99. So I did, but it's been sitting there for a while. And I am almost done with it and I am loving it. I am loving it. It really is about um, a sewing machine and all its owners. It's a singer. I've been meaning to look it up. 99K. Um, I'm going to stop and look that right now. Okay. I just looked it up and it looks kind of like it has that featherweight look, but it's hand crank. So we start with a woman who is, um, working for singer in the sewing machine factory, um, back Oh, now I'm forgetting the dates, probably in the 1800s. We follow it through like four different owners. Um, at different you know times from the from the 40s and the 50s to the 60s to current day um which is which is really fun and that all of the storylines are compelling and it's just really fun to to and, and it's told out of order so it's not like you're following it you do all of the old stuff and then we just follow it through time we bounce back and forth but one cool thing about it is um at some point in the um it was really i think it was the it was the first owner of it started a notebook where she wrote down everything she sewed in it and who it was for so and most of these people they're making they're making clothing not quilts um but it was like you know blue dress for clara um and she did some work that was paid so it would be you know it would say paid if it was paid or you know um collar repair for Ruth and you know and so she, they just keep track and as the sewing machine is getting past you know or making its way from owner to owner people are keeping this up so the current day owner um finds all of these notebooks and then feels compelled to keep it up and that kind of made me feel like I would like to do that. That would be kind of fun. Do, do any of you do that? Do you keep a record of what you make? Um, and it's, I think they're in kind of like small notebooks. Back in, you know, the, the earlier ones were handmade notebooks. But I'm thinking about doing that. I think that would be a really fun, like just, and it's just like one line. Um, and, and then in parentheses, they would put like their initials. So that because of like uh, multiple people were sewing on that machine or something. So anyways, I'm thinking about, I don't know. I say a lot of things I don't ever do, but I really like that idea. Um, as an audiobook, um, months ago, I talked about a book called The House at Tyneford by Natasha Solomon. And I'm listening to that on an app called Chirp where you can buy um, audiobooks really inexpensively. And I had bought three, and I haven't really listened to them. Um, so I got back on the House of Tyneford. I think I'm about 70% done with that, and I'm really enjoying that. Oh, I want to tell you about something that I discovered, and that is if you use Chrome as your browser, you, there is a Chrome extension called Library. And when you install it, when you go to Amazon and look up a book, so you so you install the, the library extension and then you 
um, configure it by adding the libraries that are near you that you would want to go to. And so then whenever you look a book up on Amazon, this little thing comes up in the same window as the Amazon window for the library extension and it starts looking for it at your libraries. I will say it takes kind of a long time to populate, <laughs> but um, it has saved me from buying books a few times. So that has been really cool. So I highly recommend that extension. And then the last book that I read is called The Paper Solution by Lisa Woodruff. And I have talked many times about um, the Sunday Basket, which I use every week and has really helped me um, get more done in less time from a household management standpoint. So every I do it on Saturdays, but every Saturday morning I sit down with my Sunday Basket um, and just, and there's definitely a sort of, um, you know, a method to how you go through it. And um, I can link a, a Sunday Basket podcast. She does a ton of podcasts. So the Sunday Basket comes from a company called Organize 365, which I really love her approach to things. I wasn't sure I was going to love the Sunday Basket because it's a lot about batching. The idea with, with it is that every time, um, like during the week that things come up, um, paperwork to file or something that you need to order from Amazon or permission slip to sign, um, or I don't know, just a chore that you need to do, an organizing project that you're thinking of, a book you want to read, any of that stuff. Um, you ask yourself, can this wait till Sunday? And if it can, um, you just jot it on. She has uses index cards. I just have scratch paper that I've cut up into eights and you just jot it down and throw it in the Sunday basket. And then at one point on Sunday or Saturday, if you're me, you sit down, you dump it all out. Um, and you categorize it. She's got certain categories of things to do, things you can do in front of the calendar. If you're familiar with the getting things done um, way of doing things, it's like that. It's batching. Um, these are things that are, that are errands. Um, this is everything to do with like money, things like that. So you categorize it and then you just sit down and you power through it. And because you are um, doing like things at the same time, it takes uh, less time than if you are constantly task switching during the week. And so I wasn't really sure I believed this because I was kind of one that would stop what I was doing and go order that thing from Amazon. But um, it's kind of turned me into a believer. I get through, you know, life is a little simpler for me these days. Um, but, you know, I kind of get through it in about an hour and it just, and I never think about those kinds of tasks during the week. I just am tossing them in my Sunday basket. So anyways, um, she bought. She wrote a book called The Paper Solution, and um, she talks about how to um, kind of get out from the mountain of paper. Now, I think I'm fairly digital, but there was still a lot of stuff that um, I learned from this. One thing is she doesn't believe in filing cabinets. She believes in binders, and I kind of like this idea. So she advocates for having a household reference binder, household organization binder, medical binder, and a financial binder. And um, as we have just recently in the, in the last six months or so had a living trust done, like really kind of taking care of some financial stuff, we have consolidated um, all these different retirement counts that, that we've accumulated from, you know, different business, you know, working for different companies. Um, so we've kind of done a lot of, of that kind of financial work. But what we really need to do is update this um the files that in case something happens to us, our kids will know, frankly, where all the money is. 
<laughs> that's always a fear when you know my husband and I have like gone away together like what would happen like would they even know um, you know, because we've got multiple bank accounts, things like that. Would they know where the life insurance policy was? So um, before a big trip a few years ago, we put that all together in one place and have just said, this is where this is. Um, but it really needs to be updated. And I love the idea of instead of putting it in a file filing cabinet, which is where it is now, you create a binder for it. And it's a very finite thing and you can just put it on the shelf right next to the, the the living trust and say if anything happens to us everything you need to know is right here and um, same thing with um, home the home reference binder is is really about if you sold your house this is everything that people would need to know so it's where you can keep track of the repairs that you've made the appliances that you have the paint colors um, that you've used, you know, things like that. And the idea of keeping them in the binders is that it's very finite. It kind of forces you to go through it if they get full, where filing cabinets can just kind of get away from you. Um, same thing with like, it's your one place to put uh, warranties and, and instructions and, and things like that. So anyways, the whole book is about that. And it, what it prompted me to do is to make binders for my two kids who are going to be moving out for my two older kids. And she has a podcast episode, the Organized 360 podcast. It's um, number 382, and I will put it in the show notes where she talks about, she's got kids uh, similar ages as mine, um, where she makes these binders to send with them. And I know that for my kids, um, there's we've got this issue of when they get certain pieces of paper they don't know what to do because they don't really have file <laughs> filing cabinets when they get their w-2 when they get information on you know the insurance for their phone or um or like the the eobs for you know going to the doctor that you're gonna you know because my daughter she's you know she, even though she's living at home she's responsible for her own bills now and you know it's that time where you got to explain where you need to check the the eob against what the doctor's really charging you but they don't have places for this to live. So they're just kind of, they're sitting around everywhere. So I've created binders. Um, I didn't bring them up with me, but that have um, these uh, sections for your house. So as they go out and get an apartment, you know, the it has a place for their rental agreement to live. Um, stuff for anything to do with money, anything to do with their stuff as they start to buy. Um, you know, it's I've, right there, I've got their stuff for their phones in there. But as you start to buy furniture or things like that it's just places for information like that to live and I totally got the idea from that podcast and I and I think for them as, as you are young and you move around just having one binder um, that has all that information is um, their medical information if something happens to them you know um, my kids don't have anything in particular <laughs> um, to put in there for people who you know like if you were diabetic or something like that you know there's it's it's something that somebody else could even pick up and help them out with so anyways um that's been kind of fun wow this podcast is getting away from me a bit here <laughs> i guess i had a bit of a buildup of uh, things to talk about so let's move on to tv um Acorn is showing a new series. It's not actually a new series, but they're promoting it, which is how I found it, called The Brokenwood Mysteries. And it's like a Midsummer Murders, but in New Zealand. So if you have Acorn, I am really enjoying that um, that show. And um, the other movie that we watched as a, as a family, which was fun, is Judy. Again, I'm never the first person on these things. So it's been around for a while. Um, it's about Judy Garland, Renee Zellweger, plays her and it's really about her 
um, as an older adult, there are flashbacks to when she's younger. And man, can I just say that, you know, I mean, we know she, we knew how it was going to end. Right. But, um, the, I, I've, I real feel really bad about her childhood and how the movie studios basically turned her into a drug addict. And if you want to know more, watch that. But you know, what was completely amazing is the makeup and the, the, how they did up Renee Zellweger, um, to look like her, you know, especially I kept noticing, you know, Renee Zellweger has kind of small squinty eyes. And when she smiles, they get really squinty. And Judy Garland has really big eyes, right? But, you know, when they did close-ups, you could kind of see the makeup that they were doing to make her eyes look bigger. Not that it was bad or anything, but I'm just like, yeah, that's how they're achieving that. But she had some, you know, uh, prosthetics done, you know, so that she could look like that. And she, the, the songs that she sings in that movie, she is singing. She was absolutely fabulous as, as Judy Garland. Really enjoyed that. I think I'm going to have to save some of the rest of the things I had planned for another podcast, but I did want to talk about a couple things. When I was um, going through a little bit of my, my funk a few weeks ago, one of the things I was having just an absolute tantrum about was meal planning. I was just like absolutely sick of everything that we ate, but did not feel inspired in any way to go find anything new. And I appeal to you wonderful uh, listeners in the Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group and um, people came through for me. Thank you so much. So I have bookmarked that um, post and you should go check it out. I will link to it. Um, but I have already, and I printed out a bunch of recipes. I've already made a few, two of them. One of them is the ultimate beef stew by Ina Gardner. Um, Susan, I believe is the one that shared that. And it was so good. So I already had a beef stew recipe probably Betty Crocker. So, you know, solid, but nothing special. And this beef stew recipe, which calls for like uh, short ribs, but I had just normal stew meat and I had exactly the, the right amount, three pounds in the freezer and thinking I need to use this before the weather gets too warm. Um, but the, it just has some like really some elevated ingredients, including cognac or brandy. I used brandy and red wine. So that's just the actual, um, the liquid of this was so rich and delicious. As a matter of fact, my fun, my son said that it reminded him of, um, he loves uh, French dip sandwiches and it reminded him of like a really rich au jus and just had some really, some different vegetables and it had fennel and it was very good. So I will put a link to, well, um, I will put a link to the post in the Facebook group. And, um, and the other one was a chicken with orzo recipe that my daughter made. She cooks once a week on Sundays. She's cooking today. Yay. And, um, that was delicious as well. And, um, one of the ones that I'm looking forward to, and I think I'll have her make because, um, she loves pad thai. There's a, there was a pad thai recipe. So maybe that'll be next week. Um, you know what I've been thinking about is, so uh, my two older kids are going to be moving out in June, and then um, my youngest son will be moving out in September. The UC system starts really late, so it probably won't be till mid to late September. Um, but I'm kind of wondering, I keep thinking as I'm cooking, I mean, I'm like, the way I've cooked since quarantine has, is different because I've not had, you know, the, my two boys, they're, they're, they're older and they're tall and they're big and they eat a lot of food, um, more than they did when they were in high school. And so, um, 
I just double everything. I just make ridiculous quantities of everything just so that we might have a little bit something left over um, for leftovers. But so I won't be cooking in that quantity, but I am kind of just thinking like, how much can I um, cook that, how much less can I cook? That is what I'm thinking. Like I'm really hoping I can cook like three or four times a week and then and then just have a rotation of leftovers going on. Um, because we won't have all these kids, I think I can really pivot away from um, some of the starches and carbs, you know, because I am trying to keep things, you know, I'm not, I'm not keto, I'm not super low carb, but I try to just stick with good carbs. I try to stay away from um, white flour and um, sugar, things like that. So it'd be nice to um, just kind of think about, you know, what are, what are meals going to look like and are they going to look different and how life is going to be a little bit simpler. Um, you know, I'm, I'll be sad when they all go, don't get me wrong. But um, also there's, whenever I go through, and I'm sure you can understand this, when I do my menu plan, I'm thinking, oh, that looks good. Oh no, that person's not going to like that. You know, every meal is a balance of who's going to be unhappy. And I totally make somebody unhappy for almost... <laughs> almost every meal, but that's just the, the way it is. Um, if you don't like it, you can go make your own dinner, but it'll be nice. I think my husband and I have less things that we don't like, so that'll be, um, you know, it'll be kind of fun, and hopefully there will be some, um, you know, some cooking mojo coming back my way then. I've got a few other things that I was going to talk about, but this podcast is getting plenty long, so I think I'm going to save that for next time. Um, but I would like to take this opportunity to thank some people who left reviews. That's one thing if you don't do a podcast for a month and a bunch of reviews show up, which is really nice. And thank you to everybody who reached out to me to just say that you missed the podcast and that you hoped everything was okay. I really appreciate that. So I would like to thank Gloria's Goodness, Marion Bowden, Linda at Home, and 1234 Bubbles. <laughs> I love that um, for your very sweet reviews. I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad that this just feels like you've got a friend on a walk with you or in the sewing room with you to chat with. Um, that is exactly what I want for this for this podcast. And once again, let's keep the conversation going with you popping over to the Simple Handmade Everyday Facebook group. I'll put a link in the show notes and feel free to post what you're working on, what you're reading, what you're doing. Um, you know, we're just a bunch of like-minded people in there. We're just friends that are just doing life together. As always, you can find me online at my blog, Simple Handmade Every Day, and on Instagram at Kristen Esser. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. You have a wonderful week. Thank you.